So, um, a chapter or so ago, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles. And uh, beginning of this chapter, uh, the Lord appointed 70 or 72 others and sent them out ahead of him. So I just think, well, why does he, why does he pick 70 or 72? Usually when we come across a number in the Bible, there's some significance to it. Remember when Jesus sent out the, called the 12, it was representative of the people of God, the 12 tribes of Israel. This was the new community of God. And there's something similar going on with the number uh, 70. Uh, way back in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 11, uh, Moses is having a hard time uh, leading, the, uh, leading the people of God from slavery in Egypt to freedom in the promised land. And so uh, Numbers chapter 11, verse 16, the Lord said to Moses, uh, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Make them come to the tent of meeting that they, that they may stand there with you. So in the Old Testament, uh, God calls 70 to lead alongside um, Moses. And um, in the New Testament, in Luke, sometimes it's 70, sometimes it's, it's 72. And in Numbers, uh, there, are, uh, there are 70, but there are two who um, are left behind in the camp. And when the Holy Spirit fills the, the 70, the two who are still at home in their tents in the camp also get filled with the Holy Spirit. So 70, 72, it's, um, we just get a sense that Jesus is now the leader of God's community of people, as Moses was in the Old Testament. Uh, but also there's another significance of the 70, which is that the Jews believed that there were 70 languages in the world. There were 70 nations. And so it's just a reminder a sign that the gospel is for the whole world. The gospel is for every nation. Uh, just uh, it kind of gives us a link to the end of Matthew's gospel where Jesus commissions the apostles and sends them out to take the gospel to every nation. Go to every nation. The gospel is good news for everybody. So he appoints 70, 72 others, sent them out two by two ahead of him to go to every town and place where he was about to go. He sends them to prepare the way for him to follow. And he says to them, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. There are, there are lots of people waiting to hear the good news of Jesus. There are lots of people that God wants to um, have in his family. Uh, remember, one of the things we've, we've learned as we've gone through the uh, the gospel, especially the last couple of weeks, we've learned about just the, the love of God and the compassion of God. That God is not wanting to exclude anyone. God is wanting to include as many people as possible. Remember, we've looked, um, been reminded of John chapter 3 and uh, uh, the gospel of John. We have that wonderful verse that God so loved the world that he sent his only son. God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And John goes on in the next verse to say, Jesus didn't come to condemn the world because we're already condemned. Our relationship with God is already broken. And what Jesus does is he comes to, to fix it. So God is not wanting to exclude. God is wanting to include. The harvest is plentiful. There are lots of people that God wants to welcome. But... There's a problem that the workers are few. It's almost like there's more harvest to bring in than there are those of God's people who are willing to go out and get it. I was um, reminded early on in lockdown, there was a, 
uh, there was a lot of thing on the news about farmers who had these crops that needed to be harvested. But because all the travel restrictions that had come in, the workers that normally come from Eastern Europe weren't allowed to travel and couldn't come in. And there was these farmers on the news saying, my crop is just going to rot in the ground because I've got no one to come and bring it in. Well, it's the same with the, the kingdom of God. God is longing for the harvest to be brought in, but the workers are few. There aren't enough people to bring it in. So the first thing uh, Jesus says is, ask the Lord of the harvest. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Uh, in other translations, it says, pray. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out Workers. Sometimes we um, we come up with all kinds of programs and strategies, and uh, you know, well, how can we reach the lost? And we come up with you know, oh, perhaps we should do this, or perhaps we should do that, and we neglect the fact that the the most important thing we should do is pray, is pray to the Lord of the harvest. Uh, sometimes we, we we feel inadequate. Sometimes our health may be failing. Sometimes, well, what can what can I do? Well, you can do the most important thing which is to pray and to ask the Lord of the harvest. In my experience, more often than not, uh, people who come to faith in Christ do so because whether they knew it or not, people were praying for them. They had family members, they had friends who were praying for them, who were waging that spiritual battle that enabled them to see the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Pray, Jesus says, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Um, Jesus is always sending people out to get the harvest in. And uh, one, of the, the, one of the traps that the church falls into, one of the dangers of being church for so long and becoming settled, and one of the dangers of becoming focused on a building is that instead of going out, we wait for the harvest to come in. It's like the, you know, the farmer sitting in his barn, hoping that the sheaves of corn are just going to kind of throw themselves in through the door, and he can just kind of stack them up. And so often in, in the life of the church, that's the, that's the danger, that all of our activity ends up revolving around our, our building and the place where we are. And, um, you know, we, you know, buildings are great. We need to have buildings. We need to have places where we can worship and where we can fellowship. We meet each other. But the danger is all of our activity becomes focused around the building. And Jesus says, go. And very often that's what Jesus says. Very often that's what God says in the, throughout the Bible is he tells people to go. To go and reach the lost. Don't just wait for them to turn up because chances are they won't. Go and find them. It's such a, a continuing challenge for us. And one of the things, you know, we're, we're restricted at the moment because we can't really mix. But, you know, as, it's one of the questions for us to be reflecting on as, you know, hopefully eventually restrictions ease and we are, you know, our freedom returns. Will we just retreat into our buildings or will we hear the challenge to go, to go and reach the loss? There's a harvest. Uh, I'm sending him out like lambs among wolves. We <laughs> listened a couple of weeks. Uh, was it? Yeah, last week we were thinking about you know Jesus never, you know, he never kind of overpromises how good this thing is going to be. Uh, you know, when we choose to follow Jesus, last week he said, 
you know, um, somebody very enthusiastically said, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, yeah, but foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. So if you're going to follow Jesus, don't expect it to be comfortable. Don't follow Jesus because what you want in this life is a comfortable ride. He doesn't promise that. He says, he says, actually, well, look at, look at me. I don't have anything. I don't even have a home. I don't even have to lay my head. Are you prepared for that? So he says, if you want to follow me, don't expect it to be comfortable. And now he says, well, if you want to follow me, you're going to be eaten alive. So, you know, it's not brilliant, um, as I said before, not the most attractive job description. Uh, you know, come and follow me. Uh, you'll have nothing and you'll probably be eaten alive. Great. But as I said before, we don't follow Jesus because it's comfortable. We follow Jesus because he is who he said he is. He is the son of God. He is the saviour of the world. He's the only name under heaven by which we may be saved. That's why we choose to follow him. So he says to, to his disciples as he sends them out, you know, it's going to be hard. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. So just be prepared for that. Are we prepared for that? I said last Sunday, increasingly in our culture and our society, it is harder to follow Jesus and to stand up for the things that we believe to be true. We're lambs amongst wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. There's, you know, there's an urgency to the mission of God. There's an urgency because time is running out. You know, time is always, is always running out because, um, for two reasons. One, because it's running out for us because we do not know how long we have to live. We kind of assume that we have got a lot of time to live, but we don't know that. And it, we only have this life in which to make a choice about Jesus Christ. We only have this life to choose whether or not we're going to follow him we don't know how long that life is going to be. We hope it's going to be several years, many years, but it might not be. There's an urgency about responding to the kingdom of God. There's also an urgency because God is supremely patient and forbearing with us, but history doesn't run on forever. Jesus is going to return. There is a real urgency. Also, as we've learned before, as we've um, in earlier in Luke's gospel, there's this thing about sitting lightly to the things of the world and not living for material things. He says, don't take a purse or bag or sandals. Sit lightly to the things. Well, we see it again in, in the next few um, next few verses where he says, you know, if you enter a town and are welcome, eat what's set before you. You know, whichever house you're welcomed into, just, you know, be happy there. As long as you've got what you need be content with that. And again, if we're following Jesus, it's so important that we don't fall into the trap of becoming focused on the things of this world and the things of this life. God knows what we need and God will give us what we need. Let's be focused on the things of the kingdom. It's so easy to fall into the trap of, oh, well, if only I had this or if, if only I had that or if only I had a, a bit better one of these. We mustn't get fall into that trap. When you enter a house, at verse 5, first say, peace to this house. I, lo I love this about the gospel. 
I love this about the gospel that Jesus says, when you, you know, when you go out and when you arrive somewhere, the first thing that we offer is peace. I love that because there are, there are other kind of, um, uh, kind of philosophies and religion and, and world systems where what you do is you kick the door down and force your way in and make people respond to what you want them to respond to. And to be fair, over the course of Christian history, sometimes, sadly, that's what the church has done. They kind of force their way in and kick the door down. But Jesus says, when you enter a house, say, peace. Peace. I come in peace because I come as a representative of the Prince of Peace. I just, I love that because I just, you know, whenever we engage with, with anybody or with any community or with any society, it's from a place of of peace. I come from a place of peace because in Jesus Christ I have found peace with God. And when you find peace with God, then you can be at peace with yourself. And once you are at peace with yourself, then you can learn to be at peace with others. Even if they don't like you, even if they don't respond well to you, even if when you arrive you think, uh, well, you're probably going to be my enemy. Actually, I come in peace because I found peace with God through Jesus. And because I found peace with God through Jesus, I'm at peace with who I am. And that means I can turn up and offer you that same peace. Um, If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. So you kind of get a a sense of whether you're going to be welcomed or not. You don't need to barge in and kick the door down. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you. For the worker deserves his wages. Don't move around from house to house. In other words, just if you've got what you need, be content. If you've got what you need, be content. So often in this life we're, um, uh, we're discontented, we're dissatisfied, we're unhappy because we are... We're kind of driven by the values of this world that say, well, we should have more. You know, I've said on previous occasions, you know, every, every advert that we watch is designed to make us dissatisfied with what we have and make us want more. Well, Jesus says, if you've got what you need, be content with that. When you enter a town and are welcome, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, The kingdom of God is near you. Uh, Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is is near you. I love this because what's happening is Jesus has said, uh, right at the beginning of the chapter, he sent them out ahead of him to every place where he was about to go. So they're kind of like the the kind of the advance party. And... um, they kind of get things ready. They prepare the way for Jesus to come. And, and I think as Christians, as followers of Jesus, that's our, you know, that's our, our task really as we go into the world. It's to, it's to raise people's expectation that someone greater is wanting to turn up. We raise people's expectation that someone greater is wanting to turn up. I was, um, again, at the parish church this morning, um, in, the, in the service, they, um, you know, as you may know, apparently they do things a little bit more formally and a bit more traditionally than we do. So they have this lovely procession at the start of the service. And the first person who came in was not um, Michael, the parish priest. 
There was like a procession of people who came in before him. But when the first person came in, I kind of thought, oh, well, I know who's, I know who's coming down the line. I know that Michael's going to be coming in a minute. And then, so the first person came in, and another person came in. And then Michael came in. And the first people who came in were kind of, and it was just a lovely illustration, I think, of what's going on here and what Jesus says we are supposed to do, that we prepare the way for Jesus to follow. And that when we arrive in a place, we create an expectation that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is about to come, that the kingdom of God is near. Well, how do we do that? We do that through the way in which we, we live our lives, because the goal of the Christian life is to become, is to become like Christ. It is to live life in such a way that we disturb the people around us because they can't understand why we live in the way that we do. And they can't understand why we love in the way that we do. And they can't understand why we're patient in the way that we are. And they can't understand why we are so concerned about those in need in the way that we are. And, and those ways of loving just disturb the ways of the world. And they make people think, well, why? What is it? What makes you tick? What makes you, what makes you live like that? And it just only raises an expectation. Well, the reason that we live like that is because of Christ. Because without Christ, we couldn't live like that. Because without Christ, we would be unforgiving and more selfish than we self-evidently are. And there's some, there's some, but it's also about the fact that the Holy Spirit inhabits us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us and we have, you know, power and authority to, to bring the kingdom of God to bear in the lives of those amongst whom we meet. So Jesus says, you know, heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near to you. The signs of the kingdom of God should follow us around. They should be the outworking and the outflowing of our lives. The Holy Spirit always points people to Jesus. So when we pray for someone and they're healed, the, inevit- the question is, well, how did that happen? Well, it happened because of Jesus. Because Jesus' kingdom is near you. And you need to do something about that. So just an encouragement for us as, as followers of Jesus that that's our, you know, that's our task. We are, as we we'll, we'll think about when we get to the last verse, we are representatives of Jesus wherever we go. And it's a real challenge for us. When people look on our lives, do they see Jesus? Do they see through us? Do they see beyond us? Do they see, do they see something that, that gives them hope? Do we bring life wherever we go? That's what the disciples did. They brought life. And Jesus then followed and brought salvation. When you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. Again, I, again, I love this. I remember a couple of Sundays ago when they were traveling through Samaria on the way to Jerusalem and they don't get a warm welcome and the, the apostles say, shall we call down fire from heaven and destroy them? That'd be a good thing to do, wouldn't it? Let's, they haven't welcomed us, so let's zap them. And as I said, so often that's what we want to do when people don't respond well to it. Like, Just get them, Lord. But that's not what he does. And I love the fact that here, he says, you know, if you're not welcomed, well, you know, walk away. You know, don't bust the place up. Just walk away. But the message is still the kingdom of God is near. 
Because that's the thing. Whether we like it or not, God is going to do what God is going to do. So you can ignore it, but it's still going to happen. You know, you can't thwart the purposes of God. You can't frustrate the purposes of God. So that, you know, and again, we have to be honest about that. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is coming. And on the end of the kingdom of God is judgment. Because God is love. And love judges. Because love cares. And um, when the kingdom of God comes in completeness, when Jesus returns, there will be a judgment and we will be judged. And the question for us is, well, am I going to take responsibility for my own sin and pay the penalty for my own sin myself? And the penalty for sin is death and eternal separation from God. Or am I going to accept the gift of Jesus? The gift of Jesus who went to the cross and died for me, who died in my place and took on himself the penalty that should have been mine. Am I going to accept his gift of salvation so that when I stand before God on that day of judgment and he says, well, why? Why should I welcome you into my eternal kingdom? The only answer is uh, because of Jesus. The kingdom of God is coming, whether we like it or not. Uh, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida. Again, it's this, it just kind of saying, you know, judgment is coming. Just a little note about Chorazin. This is the only, the only mention of this town in the New Testament. We don't know anything else about it. We don't know anything that Jesus did there. We don't know anything that Jesus said there. And yet, Jesus obviously spent time there and performed miracles there. And it just reminds us that in the Gospels, uh, we only have two weeks of Jesus' life. And yet he had three years of ministry. So it just reminds us that there's 154 weeks of Jesus' life we know absolutely nothing about. We just know a fortnight's worth. When you, everything in the Gospels takes a fortnight. So there's so much about Jesus' ministry that we know nothing about. But we know enough. Uh, finally, verse 16. He concludes, but he says, He who listens to you, listens to me. He who rejects you, rejects me. But he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. This is an extraordinary, um, extraordinary responsibility for those of us who follow Jesus. It's an extraordinary responsibility that we, that we proclaim correctly the good news of Jesus. Because when people listen to us, they need to be listening to Jesus. And they need to be listening to God. Because if people reject us, they're not just rejecting us, they are rejecting Jesus. And they are rejecting God. What an extraordinary responsibility. Paul um, reflects on it in, um, uh, in uh, uh, his second letter to Corinthians, chapter 5, uh, verse 20. He says, we are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. What an an amazing privilege. What an amazing responsibility that we have as followers of Jesus. To tell others about the love of God. 
the love of God of Jesus. But what a responsibility to make sure that the message that we relay is the message that we read in the Gospels. That we reflect the words of God, that we reflect the words of Jesus. So that those who listen are responding to a message of God, not just an invention of our own, of our own minds, but an authentic uh, replication of the gospel. He who listens to you listens to me. What an awesome responsibility, but what an awesome privilege. So this morning, let's be um, challenged. Uh, let's be encouraged. Um, Jesus sends us out. He sends us out um, on a difficult task, but he sends us out on a task that is the greatest privilege in the world. Uh, there is, um, for me, there is no greater, uh, no greater privilege than being able to share the good news of Jesus. And there is no more excitement than when someone responds to the good news of Jesus. And you know that the angels in heaven are rejoicing at a sinner who has repented. At someone who is outside the kingdom, who is now in. So let's take a, a few moments um, uh, before we come, to, we're going to come to communion in a moment. But before we time to come to communion, let's just take a few moments and an opportunity to, uh, for us to pray. Just an open time of prayer. Remember that encouragement. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. So let's take a few moments and pray that God would uh, equip us, encourage us and strengthen us. And call more workers into the harvest field. Let's take a few moments and pray together.